You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 205 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. We're heading up to Cumbria today to meet my guest, who is Chris Dickinson, a farmer, entrepreneur, and agricultural consultant. Chris is involved with a number of different businesses with a particular emphasis on the poultry industry, but by no means exclusively. For example, one of his, his businesses is a goat meat business. Uh, based on his family's farm. Uh, Chris is a board member of the Wagyu Breeders Association. He's a member of the Yorkshire Future Farmers Association, the Tesco Future Farm Foundation, and has been a scholar with the Henry Plum Foundation. So much to talk about with this guy, honestly. It's, um, yeah, I did, it's one of those where I really didn't know where to start. But Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. How's, how's all no. going with you? Yeah, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, podcast is something that yeah, really on the on the up and I've enjoyed listening to quite a few of your podcasts. So yeah, it's a it's a good honor to to join you today. It's a thrill to have you, honestly. I mean I'm I'm actually gonna bounce my my conundrum, I suppose, straight back at you because you do wear a lot of different hats and I was wondering how to approach this. So how would you sum up what you do? And what sort of the day-to-day looks like for you? Because, I mean, rather like me, or rather like me, more in a past life, actually, than now, I, I used to balance, like, a lot of different things, um, which you clearly do. How do you do that? What does it look like? Very, Yeah, very difficult, really. It, it is sort of every week is is very different. But I think sometimes, yeah, you, you've got to do things that, that make you happy and things you enjoy doing. Although family life is very important to me, work takes up such is such a big part of your life I think it's very important that you you're happy in what you're doing and don't just do some I I always say to people don't just do something because you think you should do it do things that you enjoy and yeah I'm I'm very fortunate that all the work that I do I I really enjoy and yeah um having fun doing it really yeah and uh, have you always like enjoyed have you always enjoyed balancing different things so you, you like doing having sort of different projects on the go rather than just let's like say some people like doing just one thing do that yeah and move on. oh definitely i well I, when i um i worked for the nfu for uh, i was very fortunate to work for the nfu for seven years in policy yeah very much i thought when i when i left that job i was coming home just to just to be just to be on the farm with dad and and i yeah, I really sort of, I really struggled with it, actually. I just, I got very bored just doing one thing. I sort of would read the Farmers Weekly or look on Twitter or whatever and see fun things that people were doing. And for, yeah, God, well, although I, I enjoy farming and, and, and do my own thing, I very much still wanted to um, sort of be involved in some of the the, the sort of fast moving side of agriculture and different businesses that are really sort of pushing on so yeah i yeah oh my personality very much is i enjoy doing different things and i think so far i've done quite a good job of 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 balancing all those things people always say if you want something done ask a busy person so 
yeah, I, I enjoy do, I enjoy being busy. If I've got nothing to do, I I sort of bounce off the walls. I get uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoy doing the different things and, and having a variety. And like and as you said, every day is different, really. That's good insight. Let's go all the way back um, for a bit. Uh, tell me about your life growing up, um, and and I sort of link to this as well. Have you always wanted to have that link with ag? You've clearly grown up with ag. But you've also oh, you yeah. also have this other sort of wing to you where you have these sort of diverse interests as well. Oh yeah, so very fortunate. I had a fantastic upbringing. I'm an only child. Fantastic parents. Always did everything that I, that I wanted to do. I'd have, yeah, couldn't couldn't have been any better really. And then I um um I've always enjoyed sort of most things I did. I never I never wanted to leave primary school. I loved it so much. I never wanted to leave yeah. secondary school. I loved it so much. <laughs> And then I went to um, I went to Newcastle University, which was amazing. I, I still love it. I still love going over to Newcastle. Met some great friends. I did agri business, uh, so I had some great agri mates. And also, obviously, because the size of Newcastle University, I was very fortunate to come out of it with sort of some great life lessons and and, and lifelong friends. So that's what everyone seems to say who goes to Newcastle. It's good, oh, it's it good was, mix. It, it was just it, it was the perfect mix. It was. I remember. I went over for for an open day and me and my dad went over the night before and um we were we were sat on the quayside and there was uh this group of girls walked past and then this group of lads walked lads walked past like, singing songs and and whatever and my dad was like I don't think there's any point in looking at Harper is there <laughs> that, was, that was it uh, but yeah I did just couldn't tell you that many things that I learned at university actually as points, but just yeah, I think it's the first time that you you stand on your own two feet, and if you make yeah. if you make a wrong decision, you have to sort it out other than just asking your mum and dad. So even though yeah, no, so I, I love that. And then following that, I um, I went into the poultry side. So we we mm. um, had poultry on the farm for many years, and I really enjoyed the sort of poultry side more than more than anything else really I was really interested in it so yeah I worked uh, for a guy called uh, Keith Henderson as a salesman and um, fieldsman selling point-of-lay pullets for egg farmers um, and then uh, yeah like I said I was lucky enough to go and work for the NFU and it was it was fantastic like you you really I'm, I managed to meet some of the best sort of entrepreneurs and uh, farmers and people that anyone would meet anyone starting off if if you can go and work for the nfu for a few years it really is a fantastic place you get to you get to go places and, and meet people that you wouldn't really in any other um job in ag it was a it was a fantastic foundation for me yeah, I was gonna say, let's, let's just focus in on that time just a bit more because yeah. i'm guessing you're your day to day that your day to day now is varied, but your day to day then was was just as varied in terms of the kinds of things you're doing, the the, the places you're visiting, the meetings you're having, the people you're meeting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. Um, it was great. I remember because obviously the the NFU office is in um, Stoneley, Stoneley Park. Um, yeah. uh, so I moved down to Leamington. Literally, I'd never been never been to Leamington in my life. It was a <laughs> Uh, it, it's quite a strange place. Just when I was telling my friends oh, I'm moving, I'm moving to Leamington. They're all like, "Where the hell is that? So where Where is that?" Yeah, I think literally. I think unless you go to Warwick University, you'll have no idea. Yeah, it was a really, really random place, and not as maybe as fun as somewhere like London. But I did. I, I loved it. I, I moved down there. Luckily, 
because I've always played rugby, I played rugby down there. So that's the best thing about if you're into sports, you have sort of 40 best mates after a couple of weeks and and you meet people and go places. And luckily one of my one of my best friends from home, uh, Rachel, she randomly at the same time took a job with um with Sainsbury's and their head office is in Coventry. So right. uh, that was quite good. So I lived with Rich for uh, for four years. So I had I had that as well. And yeah, it really was. It was like the the National Poultry Board, which I was poultry advisor. So looking after them, you would some like people like James Hook and Gareth Griffiths and uh, Paul Kelly, like real leaders and successful businessmen. And you'd be in a meeting and they'd be asking you for your, sort of your opinion. And it was, um, yeah, it was it, it was great. Like any job, you get frustrated at times. But I look back at it, I don't think I would be able to sort of have as diverse portfolio if I hadn't have, have worked there, really. Because yeah. a lot of things you do find in business, you are sort of, uh, it's your network. And, yeah, I've got a lot to thank sort of those years for. Um, and then I worked there for uh, three years. And then I went to, I was county advisor for uh, Yorkshire, uh, south and west Yorkshire. I had a good group of mates up in Yorkshire. So I lived there for a few years. I didn't enjoy that job as much because you were, you weren't really sort of involved in the policy making yourself. You were sort of relying on the headquarters team and asking, which I found that sort of job quite frustrating and uh, whereas the, the poultry stuff you really were at the forefront you were working on key issues for key farmers and then really in the county advisor role they're very key but from going from a, a policy maker to just sort of telling people what's happening was sort of quite frustrating so I was sort of ready to leave when I left and that was really the time when I was yeah started thinking about going into gold. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, let's let's turn to that sort of entrepreneurial side of you. Um, yeah. If you had like sort of key figures you've inspired you, where does that yeah, entrepreneurial yeah, def- mindset come from? Yeah, definitely. I always remember actually Paul Kelly himself is is great, but his dad Derek. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. Yeah. What a what an amazing chap. I remember I spent quite a few days with him. I remember when I first started. Oh, well, come and see me. Come and see me in Essex, and I, and I went over, and and I remember just. Yeah, just picking his brains, and and I remember him telling me about when he started off. It was either he was going to go into laying hens or uh, or turkeys, and luckily for everyone, he went into turkeys. And and I remember thinking after a day of being with Derek, I thought, yeah, my sort of very much aim would be to try and get a a product into retail under your own name, and that was that was always a sort of goal from meeting from meeting people like Derek. But yeah, I'd, def- I'd, I'd definitely mention him as one that was just yeah so inspiring and a and a, and a lovely guy and so open with it. You do find in agriculture, there's some people don't like, especially especially around here in Cumbria. I found people don't like people doing things differently. And yeah, obviously with me, I do different things, and I'm not just on the farm all the time. So people think, oh, oh God, he doesn't do any work, or he he, he doesn't. He, he goes to this, so he goes to that. But people like Derek was—he's just so open-minded, and yeah, it was—it—it it, it was great to to be around people like that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that we we need we need innovators, don't we? In, in every industry, you need innovators, but in particularly in ag, we need innovators to keep things moving forward. Oh, we do. Yeah, like um, um, I, for my 
I'm, I'm now on the NFU Next Gen and I did a, a piece with Sky News last week and it was, they were really looking at the average age of farmers. And I think other than sort of government ministers, we have the, the oldest, the oldest age. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we need, we, we need younger people to, to see this as a career they want to really focus in on because, well, food is so key. And I think sometimes we, we do undervalue that in in the UK. That old sort of tale of if you had a couple of sons or daughters, the sort of um, the stupid one would stay on the farm. And it's the wrong thing, really, because it's food businesses are so key to, uh, to everyone. Yeah, exactly. There's so much to it. This episode is being supported by our primary sponsor, A-Plan Rural. Why did I want to collaborate with A-Plan Rural? Well, having got to know them, their team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers, and we are both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience, so it seemed quite a good fit. Quite frankly, together we will be able to do a lot more. A-Plan Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences, and they also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to A-Plan Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. Uh, before we talk about goats, just give us some context to your family farm, I suppose, and, and sort of some of the history of that. And, and, and yeah, yeah so um, so I, we well, I moved to the farm when I was three. So we, we were um, it's a it's a tenant farm from uh, Lord Inglewood, uh, the Inglewood estate, um, hunting in the forest. Um, so dad um, dad took it on from his dad when he was around twenty six my granddad quite a few health problems bad knees and what and he was um dad was there's three sons two daughters so dad took on the farm and the other two um brothers actually also got their own tenancies and that was a really difficult time i think for dad because they had to break up and sell a bit of land of stuff they owned to be able to sort of equally share it out between the three which is which is a which is a big problem for for lots of farms really when you yeah, take on you've got to pay out other members of the family but dad's uh yeah so dad's uh, done really well he's, he's bought different bits of land over the years um so yeah it's, it's always been quite diversified we unfortunately got foot and mouth in 2001 like many farms up here uh we were quite we got it quite early on and at that time we were uh, the main enterprise was dairy but we had quite an old milking parlor i wasn't massively interested in 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 cows really as well at the time as i like sheep and and goats more so we didn't go back into dairy and at that time that's when we went into free range hens and uh yeah over everything else on the farm so we uh we grow about 150 acres of cereals dad has a sort of successful contracting business which he's done for sort of 20 years he he goes around crimping and crushing barley mainly for big dairy farms and dad's a bit like me he does He's, he's very social, social, uh, sociable. So that's his sort of social side. He goes out and has a nosy over farms. Yeah. And, um, enjoys that and it gets him out of my mum's hair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and then other than that, we, um, yeah, we, we lamb about 500 sheep and we've always, um, wintered and finished cattle. And mainly at the minute, we're all doing, um, we've gone into the Wagyu scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. All that aside, tell me about the goats because, uh, 
This was this was like your your brain channels, and, and I think you were yeah. was it we supported by Henry Plum on this in the early days. Yeah, I did yeah. So randomly, I went uh, again for the NFU. I went to see a, a poultry farmer called Ian Johnson in Derbyshire. Uh, just it was just on a, a regular visit. It was just to go and see. He'd put a biomass boiler in, and Ian's a great guy. I think he's I think he's actually sold his farm now. But again, someone very open and shows you it's everything he's he's open to and shows you what he's doing and tells you about it and a great chap and actually when we were there he'd just gone into uh, the south african ball goats okay and um and i said oh well, we've we've had we've had um golden guernsey rare breed goats on the farm for for 20 years so i was always interested in them and i, I saw these goats i'd never seen them anywhere before and i really liked i liked the look of them as a as a sort of stockman they were very shapely and um yeah and then i sort of that sort of started the brain ticking i went okay. back did loads of research about never really thought about goat meat as a product started doing research saw it was sort of globally the world's most eaten red meat and thought well yeah let's let's have a go at that i like goats um i've always wanted to do sort of a product of my own um and that's it really i started sort of through people like Ian and a few others, I uh, put feelers out there to say I'd be interested. And then randomly, I got a phone call from a, a lady down in uh, uh, Bury St Edmunds who was moving back to Africa and she had 150 goats. And I went down one night and looked at them. And then two weeks later, they were on farm. <laughs> <laughs> so. And, uh- and, and how's it how's it sort of developed over time? So, yeah, what so, sort of role does uh, it have now? Yeah, so there's about currently we've got about three hundred, but I also buy quite a lot in now. Um, I found that's one thing with different hats and different work that I do. Uh, maybe at times I have sort of asked too much from my mum and dad if they're um, at home or Liam that works for us if I'm not there doing other things. So yeah, we kidded about 150 this year few less than normal but i thought it's it, it's actually easy sometimes to buy them in there's a nice lady in scotland who i work closely with who maybe hasn't got the same market as 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 i've got and i sort of buy them in from her and and sell them on and yeah so we we take goats every week to the abattoir mainly for the so sort of wholesale and catering butchering uh butcher market and very much the good thing about that is you can be a bit of a obviously in farming you're really a price taker a lot of the time, but because it isn't widely available, you can sort of set the prices a little bit, which which does help. Although they are, there definitely is. It's you, a lot of people have gone into goats and treat them like sheep, uh, yeah. but they're very very different animal. It is a very steep learning. Curve. We've been through so many different little crises where, you know, <laughs> yeah, just different diseases. But luckily, we were. There's a chap called Ben Dustan who, at the same time I got goats, he moved up from, I think, Liverpool to Shap, which is just half an hour down the road. And he's chairman of the Goat Veterinary Society. Oh, that's huge. Uh, so, was a, a specialist goat vet. So, um, lots of times, Ben's sort of got to the bottom of problems which probably other vets wouldn't have um so yeah he's he's been great and yeah no it's um it's it's sort of grown nicely and then just currently at the minute with the next sort of innovation is we're um 
going into goat ready meals. Okay. So um, one thing we've got, people love it, but they often do ask sort of, oh, how do I cook it? What do I, what do, I do with it? It's great, but what do I do with it? And actually by doing a ready meal, um, they, uh, yeah, you're taking that away from them and you're just giving them a nice recipe and, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so that is the, that is the latest sort of move with that. Okay. In the, in terms of the goat meat market, who's buying it? Is it, yeah, where's it going? Yeah, so really my, my stuff's all sort of mainly sort of big catering butchers, um, got a good friend of mine, uh, John Gilmore Butchers up in Edinburgh. Uh, they take uh, quite a bit. Um, restaurants, high-end restaurants. I think now, because the restaurant trade is so competitive, the sort of chefs are always looking for something to sort of add value to or make slightly different. And really, the, the sort of just the curry market, there isn't the margin in that. So if you you probably if you have a goat curry somewhere in a in a curry house, it's probably a cool goat. So it's uh, yeah, it's a it's different. Whereas mine, all mine are um, killed under a year, so between sort of right. seven and ten months. Uh, so really, it's kid meat, but it's just a terrible name and just would never work. So, <laughs> so not not great on the marketing front there. No, no. So kid really is like lamb, um, and goat is is more like mutton really. But I sort of made the decision. That, right at the forefront to sell it as go and then try and educate about the differences yeah. what I'm selling to uh to others. But yeah, no, it's been great. I've had I've had some customers that I've had all the way along. Um there's a the great butchery business up here called Cranston's and you get customers like that that wouldn't as long as the 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 product is um uh is consistent, they just stick with you, which is which is what every business needs. You need those sort of steady accounts that keep coming in. Meet the Farmers is brought to you by Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialise in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organisations and communities like you tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be, getting your message out there and networking with leaders in your niche. Rural Pod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. Yeah. And in terms of your wider business hat, I suppose you you are involved in in various capacities with with, with other businesses as well, and 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 with your consultancy hat on as well. Yeah. Um, a, I suppose, how do you manage your time between all that? And B, what do you feel that you, as an individual with all your experience as well, and I suppose with your NFU experience as well, what, what do you give um, to those other businesses? Well, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is like people talk about diversification and I, I am sometimes conscious that I, I do maybe don't I sometimes worry, oh, do I do enough farming? But I think in any diversification, you've got to do things that you're good at and your skills. And mine's always really been sort of talking and networking and um, putting people together, introducing people, putting, making things work. Um, so really that is, that's a lot of what I bring. It's, it's, people will ring me up and go, well, do you know someone that would work for this? 
and I've always been a people person. So being able to judge who would be a good fit, I'm very happy over the years. I've I've sort of put put five or six friends in in sort of long term careers that I've just right. sort of thought, oh, they're a they're a good fit for that. So I've always been quite good at sort of knowing a good fit for different businesses and like the the Wagyu business, Warrendale Wagyu that I'm involved in. Again, for them, really, I'm. I do a lot of stuff on. We like we did the we did Country File a few months ago, so I did that for them. So, and like we did, we just had an article last week in the grocery. So it's very much sort of that business development side, and um, we're, we're currently looking at a project on uh, on farm vending as well. So it's yeah, it's it's maybe outside the box thinking that yeah, the the sort of general team wouldn't wouldn't be doing. Uh, yeah. Which is which is what I enjoy. Yeah. How good are you at saying no to something when uh, something really interesting not, comes along, but you don't have the time? Not very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah. If I was thinking of a negative, I maybe do to do say yes to too many things. But when I'm doing something, I I do like to to give it sort of my all. So yeah, like I, at the minute, I've got sort of. Once you do things like this, you do get different products. So I've got a couple of things I'm working on at the moment, a minute, which are exciting. But yeah, you you always need to think that uh, you still need to keep your eye on the ball with the with the goats and the and the poultry equipment business that I have because that's that's what pays the bills. Yeah, that's the bread and butter. I mean, with all of those, I suppose. Yeah, goats, poultry. Yeah, what where, where are you heading? What what would you like to do? Do you have like sort of a, a your goal that you'd like to build it up and then maybe sell some of these on or are you looking to build it uh, for, well, yeah, just onwards? Yeah, like one thing I'm concentrating on at the moment is um, I've taken on the sort of the UK franchise for a poultry equipment business called FACO. They're actually yeah. the world's largest um, laying equipment provider, uh, but they've just, for many reasons, never really tried the UK market. So that's I'm spending a lot of time uh, doing that. And I really want to, like the kit's great, the team's great, and um, hopefully that with with my contacts, I want to really build build a successful business with that over the sort of next ten years. That is, um, yeah, I've, I'm in a good position because I've I've uh, worked with companies where I've I've bought different equipment, I've, I've project managed, so I know everything that's involved. And I think, yeah, it's it's the perfect time to sort of start something like that. And um, yeah, we've got some, um, we've got quite a few projects uh, on the cusp at the moment. So yeah, that's um, over the ne- in sort of ten years' time, I want to have that. Uh, I want to have Faco as a sort of um, a really well-known name in in the UK poultry industry. So that's definitely a goal. Fantastic! Sounds super exciting. Just a little more about our primary sponsor, Aplan Rural. They provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit aplan.co.uk forward slash rural. That's aplan.co.uk forward slash rural. Let's widen it out to some broader farming issues and planning. You have a you you have a big interest across different sectors, um, but I suppose yeah, almost taking your NFU from the past, but putting it forward to today. Where do you see the land lying at the moment in terms of 
thoughts on the ground and says, I mean, obviously we've we've gone through the inputs challenge, we've got the inflation challenge. You know, what's what's what what's the what's the biggest challenge for you going forward? Well, it's, there's there's a lot of challenges at the moment. There's um, and I think I know this. I think this this past government, especially under Boris, I was actually a Boris supporter at the time. I liked his sort of charisma, and he, he did seem like the guy that sort of could get things done. But that government really didn't care about agriculture at all. Defra really was the sort of poor relative. I did sometimes actually feel for some of the agricultural ministers and the secretaries of state because I just don't think they ever really got their voice heard. And it's a big job. I think actually with um, under Rishi Sunak, I think I know the NFU's had more time. They obviously had that recent summit at number 10 uh, food summit. So I think they are getting more airtime. But that is such a crucial thing that companies like uh, NFU or HDB really are getting into government and sort of showing them the challenges and issues that farmers are having and cost of the cost of producing these things and making sure that uh, farmers can make a fair margin. But I think it, it, the, the big thing is, is just trying to make sure we get some fairness all through the supply chain mm-hmm. um, because like obviously with the recent um egg crisis last year with the like people just they, they couldn't afford to they couldn't afford to produce eggs but they couldn't afford not to produce eggs because mm. they'd borrowed the money and needed to pay the bank back and it was very much sort of boom and bust like pigs has been over the years and yeah. i think really it's 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 coming up with things where farmers can make a fair and less volatile margin and that's why I sort of like working um, with the Wagyu scheme because it's uh, it's backed by um, it's backed by Aldi. It's a long term contract. You're able to um, finance them through Oxbury, and you know what you're getting, so you can actually budget what income and expenditure you've got for the year. Whereas so much of farming is you you get the market price for it on the day, whatever it's cost to produce. And yeah, I think I'd like to see probably a, a sort of rejuvenation of the grocery code adjudicator and yeah just to really put an emphasis on making sure that that retailers and processors are sharing out uh fair splits of the of the of the margins so farmers are able to build and um and grow and be profitable yeah but I mean, largely for I mean you're you're heavily involved in, in lots of different areas i'm i'm guessing you're 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 pretty optimistic for the future otherwise you wouldn't be investing in what you're investing in oh yeah yeah i am I, you just always think there's um people are always going to want safe quality food and i think that's that's what we do here and and i do think there's there's lots of there's lots of optimism for the future and i think you go when you travel over the world there's um the united kingdom is seen as a, a strong brand and i think yeah there is a lot more room for sort of exporting some of our products. And um, yeah, that's something I think we could grow on. If you look at the red meat sector, one one part I'm quite optimistic about is the, the sort of ethnic side and um, the halal market. The halal guys are eating, they're, they're becoming more affluent. So um, they're buying, especially lamb, they're eating a lot more lamb. They, they often cook things more from scratch. So they'll utilise the carcass. Um, so looking at sort of lamb and goat, 
I think that is a key a key part of um, is going to be the uh, focusing on that um, halal market going forward. Yeah, that opportunity for niche markets for sure. Yeah. Let's start to wrap this up, I suppose. Um, I'm going to ask you the same. Uh, the two questions I ask at the end of the show. Uh, the first is, Chris, what would your message for the public be? Message for the public really would be, yeah, just um, support your local farmers. Really, try and try and buy products. Try and try and understand where your food comes from, and 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 try and educate your kids as well. I always remember going to university and people not knowing where lamb come from or where milk come from from and yeah. i just i couldn't get my head around it so yeah to any parents or teachers out there make sure you 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 go to your local farm things like the open farm sunday great little um great little projects and yeah just just for farmers as well open your doors be proud of what you do um and and tell people whether it's down in the local pub or if someone asks what you're doing you're a farmer people are interested so tell them I think for many years we did sort of farming close the doors and I think that is changing but people are interested you look at Clarkson's farm it's the most I think it's the most watched thing ever on Amazon um so what an opportunity for uh, for people to be able to to talk about farming that that just shows I know he's got a, a already a massive track record and and um viewers behind him but people are interested in the farm and what he's doing so look at what Jeremy's doing and, and, and try and do that. And one thing as well, I think, I think farmers sometimes need to be nicer to each other as well. Like on, I know like Twitter can be a very toxic place at times and people arguing and, and stuff it's like a lot of things with them. Um, the regenerative farming, I, I think on some farms, it definitely makes sense, but it does frustrate me how some guys that are involved in it really sort of talk down against sort of the sort of larger scale, farms uh, big poultry farms big egg farms big pig farms um but we can't feed the world from s- sort of smaller regenerative farms so we need a balance we need those guys but we also need the larger scale pig and poultry farms who are producing also high quality food and just because a farm is bigger doesn't mean that the welfare is lower that is that's always a message i get out to people and 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 often the other way, it's often it's often higher. So yeah, really, it's just it's talk about what you do and 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 help to educate all all the way along. Brilliant. We'll put your message for farmers in there as well. And uh, finally, any recommendation uh, for a blog, podcast, or social media account to follow? That could be farming, but it doesn't have to be farming. It could be non-farming. Well, yeah. So actually, myself. Um, well, you know this, Ben, but myself, um, Flav, and another mate of ours called Neil. We're we're going to be starting our own uh, uh, podcast coming up. So, oh, I'm yeah. so excited! I'm really <laughs> yeah. pleased. I'm really pleased it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're actually doing another um, uh, recording tonight. Um, the first one, we were actually quite nervous. We thought, oh, what we're going to talk about, and it just absolutely flew by. So, yeah, like I'm a I'm a massive. Um, sports fan all sort of sports so i love listening i'm really enjoying that overlap with um with roy Keane and gary neville and um and jamie carragher so anything really that is that is done in good fun yeah i i love reading uh also love reading will evans blogs and stuff in the farmers weekly um good job. 
knowing where I went, to, I was lucky enough to be in part of the Inspire program um, this year. Uh, meeting Will, just one of the nicest guys you'll sort of ever meet, and okay. really gets he gets his messages across about his values and family as well as talking about about farming. So I always I always love reading his stuff as well. Yeah, what's the name of the new podcast when it comes out? I think we're going to be calling it Three Pronged. Okay, so, nice. Uh, uh, so yeah, we, we were going to just do it too, and then um, actually we've got a, a chap called Neil who's got a, a foot trim business, and it's actually going to be very good because we all, both Neil and Flav, both also very busy. So if one week one of us couldn't make it, 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 it means we could still um, right. go. So yeah, we yeah. launched in July. We've actually got an NFU meeting with Manette. Um, so we're going to do it first one in person and, and make a launch of that. So uh, yeah, looking forward to joining your world. Well, I'm, yeah, looking, I'm really, really looking forward to hearing it. So yeah, uh, listeners, make sure you uh, yeah head over to your favourite podcast platform, whatever that is, and subscribe to that because I know that, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I just know it is. It's going <laughs> to be some really good chat on it. We're yeah. going to leave it there. Thank you, Chris, so much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, okay. I'm I'm inspired by everything you do. It's um, It still amazes me. And like I say, as, as someone who who yeah, went for balancing lots of hats and decided to specialise a little bit more. I, I know exactly what it's like when, when when you are doing so many different things. So, yeah, massive congrats on what you're doing. Just just keep it up and th- thanks for everything you're doing for Barack generally. Thanks, Ben. Uh, that is it for today. Um, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Uh, leave us a review wherever you're listening as well. Uh, next week, um, we'll be talking health and safety for Farm Safety Week. I will be joined by Richard Wade um, for that. Uh, thanks again to Chris for today and to our primary podcast sponsor, A Plan Rural Insurance, for supporting the show. Any extra info in the show notes, so check those out. For now, though, I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a great week.